Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, everybody, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show, uh, broadcasting from out of the city of Chicago, the great state of Illinois. It is still cold. It still feels like uh, the start of winter instead of this middle, uh, uh, going into the middle part of springtime uh, uh and it is <laughs> it's kind of cold but it's not as cold as it was yesterday and uh we're making it through it we're doing it everybody around here is doing it everybody outside and uh around in the neighborhood uh, they're they're doing their best to keep warm and trying to be patient and wait waiting for spring it hasn't got here yet at least not in this city and in some places around the america it hasn't on this face yet but we we're patient we we are very patient and i hope wherever you are in the world that uh, the weather is cooperating uh, so many places it is not anyway welcome to the george water jr show on blog talk radio and uh it, it's a great day to be alive it's a great day to wake up and to be healthy uh it's a great day to uh not worry about disease uh heart disease strokes heart attacks it's a great day if you don't have, if you're not, ha- if you didn't have one of those, then y- you are blessed. In some ways, you are blessed because so many people are. I mean, people are dying of heart attacks, dropping dead, uh, in- instantaneously, dropping dead. Uh, people are uh, having strokes and heart attacks, and and a lot of this is from lack of exercise that, that's, and the lack of eating properly. Um, we'll get into some more of that. Uh, later on in the show, but um, uh, instead of focusing on politics, in which I am going to be talking about, that there's no doubt about that. Got to be focusing on life, keep keep keeping ourselves healthy, uh, living longer, uh, doing the right thing, 
Uh, I've had some great guests on the show um, this week and last week, and they were very, very uh, gracious and motivational speakers who take who take out of their lives and their times to try to make the world a better place by helping you to live longer and to be positive and most of all to exercise. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, taking care of yourself should be the first priority. A lot of people would not end up in hospitals and breaking their necks down to see uh, a doctor in some clinic if you if all you did was just be positive, think positive about yourself, your body, and take care of yourself. A lot of people end up in the hospital because they do not take care of themselves. A lot of once healthy people. And it's so easy. It is so easy. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that I'm in great shape or I'm one of those people that I'm talking about. Uh, no, I, this is all about uh, people letting age, their age, bring them down. You know, well, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for that. You're not too old for anything. My knees hurt. My back hurts. Your knees and back hurt. It, the reason why your knees and your back are hurting, um, the lack of exercise and the lack of eating right and the lack of thinking positive. Thinking negative and being depressed brings on aches and pains. And then you go to the doctor and he, he gives you all kinds of prescriptions. Your body becomes addicted to prescription drugs. You have to, you have to have them. You have to have them. You have, because your body tells you you have to have them. When actually, you really didn't need to start taking them. But the medical profession is a profitable one. They're going to always stick that uh, prescription in front of you. Because it, the money goes in there. And, you, and there's a lot of places out here, a lot of medical places, a lot of clinics, and a lot of hospitals. And the first thing they tell you is listen to your doctor, listen to your doctor, listen to your doctor. But your doctor is not always going to tell you everything you need to know. They're not going to volunteer information about your health. Majority of some of these medical professions, they expect for you to ask them. You have to have you have to have questions for the doctor. You know, you don't ask the doctor certain questions about your health. He's not going to tell you. Your doctor may say, "Follow this regimen, follow that regimen." They may not be the actual things that you should be following in terms of your health. You you have to do your own research. You can't depend on some doctor to tell you what's wrong with you and how to cure it. You have to be. You have to research these things on your on your own. You have, to, you have to be your own investigator into your own problems. Your doctor. I mean, your, your doctor sees about a hundred, maybe hundred patients a day or a week, and you're just one of those patients. And um, you know, he's not going to always be on the ball when he's talking to you. Be invest. Be an investigator into your own health. Find out what's wrong with you. If somebody tells you this is wrong, that's wrong, you make sure you get a, two or three professional opinions. Do not take the first opinion you see. There's too many people do that. Uh, the doctor tell them something. They tell them something that's wrong or something that may be even correct, uh, and then they go with that. That's wrong. You have to get at least two or three other opinions.
on that uh, on what your doctor told told you what might be wrong with you. You know, you just can't go on. Well, my doctor said, blah, 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 blah. Do your own research. Do your own investigation into your own health. You know, find out what's best for you. Don't always uh, figure you need pain pills or some sort of uh, diabetic pills or, or, or insulin. Do your own research. You know, get two or three opinions. And you will probably... Uh, be satisfied that you did do it. I mean, it's not like you don't trust your doctor, but what you want to do, you want to make sure that you get the right treatments uh, for whatever's ailing you. And it's not, it's not age. I've known, I've known and heard of people running marathons at 80 and 85 years old and in tip top shape. I've heard people uh, 75 and 85 years old going to the gym, putting on pounds and pounds of muscle and feeling great. Not a disease in the world, no heart attacks, no strokes, no whatever. Uh, it's not always about aging because uh, you can be healthy at any age. You can be just as uh, uh, demanding and competitive at any age and vibrant. You know, you, so many people, well, I'm old. I'm getting old. My, my knees are going. My, my, you know, I can't walk. I need a wheelchair. One of the reasons why you need a wheelchair is, I think, anyway, when people are in wheelchairs, a lot of them are too young to be in wheelchairs. You don't have to be wheelchair-bound. You know, of course, your knees going to ache, and you're going to say, well, you're going to blame it on age. It's not age. Age did not put you in that wheelchair. Something else did. It wasn't your age. It wasn't getting old that put, it, put you in, your, your, in that wheelchair because – if if it is age that puts you in a wheelchair, it means that it's something that you didn't do within your life. Maybe you didn't exercise enough. You didn't eat properly. You didn't uh, uh, heed the warning signs and try to rectify them before you uh, got into that wheelchair. You don't have to be in a wheelchair, but some people are in a wheelchair because, you know. Uh, and then there's people who are in wheelchairs because of other problems, some some disability or something. I mean, I can understand that if there's a disability where you can't just walk all the time. And, you know, disability, a lot of people, when they age, they start to ache in pain and, and, and uh, decide to, they'd rather be in a wheelchair and be pushed around. And, uh, you know, but that's not the way to go. You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying do not, uh, buy yourself a wheelchair or get a wheelchair some kind of way if you need one. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you really don't have to have a wheelchair if you are doing the right things with your body. You know, and nobody wants to be in a wheelchair. I, I would think. But I've seen people in wheelchairs that act as if they're in cars. You know, especially these motorized wheelchairs. I mean, you see these people zooming up and down the street. <laughs> And, and you know, I'm saying, wow, I wish I had one of those. I mean, they zooming up down the street, running red lights and and uh, stuff like that. And they're just having good old times, like they're at an amusement park or something, amusement park. But anyway, seriously, uh, I mean, if, it's all about taking care of yourself. You take care of yourself, great. You, uh, you do the right things. Uh, you'll never need a wheelchair. I mean, you'll... And one of the things about uh, exercise when you're when you're aging and you, you're doing a lot of exercise, even if even if you're young and and uh, 
as you grow old. One of the things about seniors and elder, elderly people when they age, exercise can stop you from falling so much because that's one of the prone to our falls in their own home. Falls. If you exercise every day, enjoy yourself. Try to make exercise fun. Don't do not make it a job. Do not make it a chore. Do not see it as something that is awful. You know, make it fun. I mean, you know, get, uh, watch TV while you while you're exercising, or, or you know, listen to music or something. Make it fun. You know. Uh, Exercise, you know, uh, will stop a lot of uh, accidents. You know, you won't trip and fall. I mean, because if you're exercising, especially if you your lower part, your lower extremities, uh, they get stronger. I mean, you trip over some, you trip over something, you'll just balance yourself back up. You won't fall. You know, you won't fall. You (laughs) you won't have to worry about calling the fire department to pick you up off the floor. You know, exercise, eat right, do the right thing, stay out of the doctor, stay stay, stay away from prescription drugs if you can. Because I used to know a guy, I mean, this guy was taking like 20 or 30 different type of pills every day, dropping pills every day from the doctor. These were prescriptions. They would send it to, to him in the mail and sometimes they, you know, uh, set it by our door and we'd have to say, hey, this doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the guy next door. And uh, it would be about and uh, be about ten or twenty uh, pres- different types of pre- prescription drugs that he would have to take. And guess what? And this happened for a long time. This just wasn't at uh, uh, just one time a thing. He, he was taking every month. He would get these drugs in this bag. And if he wasn't home, they'd take the drugs in, in the bag and just sit it by his door. You know. And uh, sometimes they would mistake the drugs and sit it by my door or some other door. And we would have to take it to the proper person that those drugs belong to. But he would get them things, those drugs from the doctor or prescription or drugstore or whatever. And, you know, he would be taking 10, 20 different types of, of drugs. And in a few months, he died. So my point is, my point is drugs in the long run, will kill you. Even if they're prescription and legal drugs, that's what I'm talking about, prescription legal drugs, they will kill you because they'll mess up your body. They'll, have you ever watched some of these commercials on television where they come up with these all these drugs and they'll tell you how good the drugs are for you and the drugs be, are great, but then again, they go uh, with the side effects. I mean, there's more side effects from this particular drug than there are benefits. So taking a lot of these drugs, uh, uh, even if they're um, from your doctor, which most of them are, can be deadly and legal. I mean, this guy was taking 10, 20 types of drugs a month, and they didn't save him. And this happens all the time. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio at 6.15, straight up <laughs> Chicago time. Um we will be right back. You're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the city of Chicago on the north side in my lovely studio.
Michael Cohen's mystery client revealed. In a bombshell courtroom revelation, Fox News host Sean Hannity has been named a client of Michael Cohen, the personal attorney of President Donald Trump embroiled in Robert Mueller's investigation. Shawnee boy is going down. <laughs> and I was shocked uh, when I learned that uh, Sean Hannity is involved in this. The <laughs> This guy is one, one of the biggest racists, one of the biggest liars, one of the biggest, biggest uh, uh, Trump supporters of all. Fox News and its propaganda. Fox News and its ass-kissing of Donald Trump. Sean Hannity is that. You know, uh, this guy is just awful. Sean Hannity. And this was all brought about uh, when Michael Cohen was asked to appear in court to try and get the judge to stop uh, the 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 raid that was on his office house and hotel room uh the uh, uh documents that were seized to try to get the judge to to uh forbid the FBI to go through it and to let them go through it to let him and his client Donald Trump go through it and they found out that that uh Sean Hannity was the third client Sean Sean had this guy Michael Cohen on his show asking him questions, but he failed to reveal that he is connected to, <laughs> connected to the uh, uh, lawyer, uh, Michael Cohen. Wow. This is just such, I mean, every, it's always something coming out of this administration. Who knows? Sean Hannity could wind up with a subpoena. He could wind up being indicted as being a part of this mess uh, that, that Donald Trump has started. And there's been people saying that everybody who uh, is uh, affiliated in, with Trump in any way ends up going to jail, except for him. He winds up dancing his way out of it. I don't think he's dancing his way out of anything. I just think he's going to get his. I really do. I really do. And Sean Hannity is just, wow, this guy is one embarrassment. You know, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be around long. I think probably his its sponsors are going to start leaving the show probably and uh the fox news is behind them they are behind them they're saying that they're sticking with their shiny boy regardless <laughs> that he may be implicated in all of this trump mess he may go down with them he may even have his offices and homes raided by the fbi because they want to know what the hell uh what the hell he's doing being a part of this you know and uh we're, we're gonna find out we're gonna find out because shiny boy is in deep doo-doo he's in deep stuff yes he is because this is serious a lot of people are are still worried that donald trump is going to try and dance his way out from under all of this like he always i don't think so i think that um it's just a, a mere uh, a waiting game. And you think about all the crap that Donald Trump is into and all the investigations, Shani, uh, uh, all the investigations, Stormy Daniels, Robert Mueller, uh, 
investigations and so many other people who are investigating Trump and suing Trump for this or that. And you tell yourself Trump can't dance, dance his way out from under a lot of this stuff. The reason why Trump is still in office is because we have a lot of deadbeat congressmen in Congress, especially on the Republican side, who are doing nothing. Nothing. If this was Obama, if this was some other Democrat, if this was some other uh, politician, they would have been gone already. Yet they keep Trump. And um, it, it, it's beyond the pale of anything. All right. Sean Hannity is asking for privacy. And he, he's also asking for privacy. He, w- he wasn't thinking of privacy when he, one, attacked Sasha. Sasha and Malaya, uh, Obama's girls, uh, for a spring break trip. He attacked Michelle Obama over her appearance. I mean, I think, matter of fact, I know that when when Obama, when the Obamas was in the White House, of course, a lot of people attacked Michelle Obama over her looks. They excoriated her over her looks, saying that she looked like a monkey or an ape. Uh, third, Donald um, Sean Hannity helped Trump spread a racist Bertha lie. Of course, Sean Hannity is, is a word, racist. Spread a vicious lie about Seth Rich and the DNC. Called Obama a pothead and claimed he did cocaine without any evidence. That's, that's Donald Trump. He's always saying somebody did something or somebody should be in jail or locked up. Uh, because they did this or that, and he has no evidence, no proof, no nothing. He just says stuff like like a dictator, you know. Uh, called Obama a pothead and claimed he did cocaine. Said poor people would be would live longer if they stopped drinking sodas, um, as if he's some sort of doctor or an expert. Spread conspiracy. He spread uh, comp- uh, conspiracy theories about Hillary Clinton's health. Said Colin, Colin Kaepernick uh, was only protesting because he converted to Islam. I mean, this guy accused Black, accused Black Lives Matters of advocating for cop killing. Said gay people were prone to disease because they were consumed with each other's feces during sex. Wow. Uh, he supported George Zimmerman and defended him. So there is so much about Sean Hannity that is just so vile. I re- I remember back in the day I used to listen to his radio show just for a little bit when he was when I was just you know trying to get into radio. And I listened for a while and I thought it was oh well, it's okay. Then I listened some more and I said oh I got I can't do this. I have to turn the dial. I mean this guy was vicious. He, he was vicious. He acted as if his voice was the right was the only voice out there and what he's saying is the truth and the only truth and the only truth and just listen to him and no one else you know, he didn't step in it but i'm pretty sure he's trying to dance his way around it dance his way out of it but i don't know if the feds are gonna buy that they may want to talk to him now because he's a part of this he's a part of the investigation he's in this mess with Donald Trump, his lawyer, and everybody else, prison, just like anybody else. If this is, if this gets any further, if this goes any further, and it will, because it's so much 
garbage coming out of the White House every single day. And a lot of us are just waiting for the time when we hear that Trump has resigned or we hear that Trump has been subpoenaed or indicted. This is what a lot of the Americans are waiting on. Even though Trump is continuing to do this and do that and trying to be presidential, and for him, that's very difficult, but he's trying. He's trying to distract and divert attention away from every major incident that comes out of the White House. It's not, it's not working. It's not working. Washington always has its eye on the next election, and as we get closer to the 2018... And it is not working. It is not working. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. This is just so crazy. It is so crazy. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I have old people in this country. They're all gone now, mm-hmm. replaced by yeah, senior well. citizens. Somehow we wound up with millions of these unfortunate creatures known as golden agers or mature adults. These are cold, lifeless, antiseptic terms, typically American, all ways of sidestepping the fear of aging. And it's not difficult to understand the fear of aging. It's natural and it's universal. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. We die. And we don't like that. So we shade the truth. I started doing it when I reached my 40s. I'd look in the mirror at that time and think, well, I guess I'm getting older. That sounded a little better than old. Sounded like it might even last a bit longer. But people forget that older is comparative, and they use it as an absolute. She's an older woman. Oh, really? Older than what? Than she used to be? Well, yeah. So, people think getting old is bad because they think being old is bad. But you know something? Being old is just fine. In fact, it can be terrific. And anyway, it's one of those things you don't get to choose. It's not optional. But that insufferable group among us known as baby boomers, ages 42 through 59 as of 2005, are beginning to get old. And they're having trouble dealing with that. Remember, these baby boomers are the ones who gave us this soft, politically correct language in the first place. So rather than admit they're getting old, the baby boomers have come up with a new term to describe themselves as they approach the grave. They don't care for middle-aged, so instead, get this, folks, instead, they claim to be pre-elderly. Don't you love that? Pre-elderly. It's a real word. You don't hear it a lot, but it's out there. The boomers claim that if you're between 50 and 65, you're pre-elderly. But I'd be willing to bet that in 2011, when they begin turning 65, they will not be calling themselves elderly. I have a hunch they'll come up with some new way of avoiding reality. And I have a suggestion for them. They should call themselves the pre-dead. It's a perfect term because for them, it's accurate and it's highly descriptive. By the way, those ever-clever boomers have also come up with a word to describe the jobs they feel are most suitable for retired people who wish to keep working. They call these jobs elder-friendly. Isn't that sad? God, that's just really, really sad. And so, to sum it up, we have these senior citizens, 
And whether I like that phrase or not, unfortunately, I got used to it, and I no longer react too violently when I hear it. But there is still one description for old people that I'll never accept. That's when I hear someone describe an old guy as being, for instance, 80 years young. Even though I know it's tongue-in-cheek, it makes my skin crawl. It's overly cute and precious, and it's an evasion. It's junk language. On CBS's 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, God help her, actually referred to some old man as being a 90-something. Please, Leslie, I need a small personal break here. One last pathetic example in this category. On the radio, I heard Matt Drudge actually refer to people of age. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He said the West Nile virus is a particular threat to people of age. Poor Matt. Apparently, he's more fucked up than he seems. Now, going to an adjacent subject, one unfortunate fact of life for many of these 80 or 90-somethings is that they're forced to live in places where they'd rather not be. Old people's homes. So what name should we use for these places where we hide our old people? When I was a little boy, there was a building in my neighborhood called the Home for the Aged. It had a copper sign on the gate, Home for the Aged. It always looked deserted. I never saw anyone go in. Naturally, I never saw anyone come out, either. Later, I noticed people started calling those places nursing homes and rest homes. Apparently, it was decided that some of these old people needed nurses, while others just needed a little rest. What you hear them called now is retirement homes, or long-term care facilities. There's another one of those truly bloodless terms, long-term care facilities. But actually, it makes sense to give it a name like that, because if you do, you make it a lot easier for the person you're putting in there to acquiesce and cooperate with you. I remember old people used to tell their families, Whatever you do, don't put me in a home. Please, don't put me in a home. But it's hard to imagine one of them saying, Whatever you do, don't put me in a long-term care facility. So calling it that is really a trick. Come on, Grandpa, it's not a home. It's a long-term care facility. By the way, while we're on this subject of the language of getting old, I want to tell you something that happened to me in New York on a recent evening. I was standing in line at the Carnegie Deli to pay my check, and there was a guy ahead of me who looked like he was in his 60s. He gave the cashier a $10 bill, but apparently it wasn't enough. When the cashier mentioned it to him in a nice way, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I guess I had a senior moment. And I thought how sad that was. To blame a simple mistake on the fact that you're in your 60s, even if you're just sort of joking. As if anyone would think a 20-year-old couldn't make the same mistake. I only mention this because it's an example of how people can brainwash themselves by adopting popular language. I wanted to pull them aside and say, Listen, I just heard you refer to yourself as a senior. And I wanted to ask, Were you by any chance a junior last year? Because if you weren't a junior last year, then you're not a senior this year. I wanted to say it, but I figured, why would he listen to me? After all, I'm still a freshman. With now on the air. Freedom. 
This is what I call freedom. Stormy Daniels this week, and he told reporters he didn't know his lawyer, Michael Cohen, gave the adult film star $130,000 before the election to keep her from talking about the alleged affair. Did you know about the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels? No, no. Why did Michael Cohen make it if it was no truth to her allegations? Well, you have to 
have to ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my an attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. Do you know where he got the money to make that payment? I don't know. No. The president's attorneys are asking for more time to respond to Stormy Daniels' lawsuit. Her attorneys argue the hush agreement is void because Trump did not sign it. Let's discuss this with my legal expert, Xavier Friedman, a civil rights attorney and law professor. Joining us from Cleveland, good to see you. And Richard Bye, Herman, a New York criminal defense attorney and law professor, joining us from Las Vegas. Good to see you as well. Hey, okay, so Avery, you first. The president claims he knew nothing about the payoff to Stormy Daniels by commenting on this scandal, even by saying no, he didn't know. Does he open up any new legal issues for him? He opened up a legal Pandora's box, Frederica. I mean, I can't imagine how many times his lawyers probably told him this is something we're not going to talk about because if you make a comment, you're falling into the trap of having to have your deposition taken. And that's exactly what is going to happen now, because when he says, well, why don't you just ask my lawyer about it, talk to Michael Cohen about it. I mean, not only is Cohen under the bus, he's being dragged along the interstate. So from the standpoint of the marital relationship, and the standpoint of the pending litigation, from the standpoint of his stature as president and his role in the world community, that one word, no, I didn't know anything about it, has opened up an enormous number of avenues in terms of legal actions. Well, Richard, listen to how Stormy Daniels' attorney says the president's comments did indeed help their case. It's like Christmas and Hanukkah all rolled into one. Uh, you can't have an agreement if one party claims they knew nothing about the, one of the principal terms of the agreement. So the president has just shot himself in the foot uh, thrown his attorney, basically, uh, Michael Cohen, under the bus in the process, put him in dire straits with the State Bar of New York, because according to the president now, Mr. Cohen was negotiating this agreement and doing this all on his own without consultation with the president. So, so there now is more imagery of, you know, Michael Cohen and the highway and all of that, as you put it. You know, Avery, so Richard, you know, uh, is he making a, a good point? Does this only kind of make it worse uh, and for Trump, but then simply make it better uh, for Stormy Daniels' team? Fred, the, the president is so unprepared and so unprofessional. When they hit him with that question, he was caught off guard. He didn't mean to answer that question, but he couldn't help himself. That's right. So he reflex. He said, yeah, no, I totally speak agree. to my attorney. He didn't want to answer that. They told him, never answer this question. Like, don't think of the color red. He just can't help himself. So he did it. So it should have and been more of a Avery's no right. comment. But his, perhaps the president no. is thinking by saying, no, I don't know, know is right. not giving any information. But you say right. just he the says, opposite. I didn't he just know did. about the payment to her, which means Avenatti's right. If he didn't know about the payment, he didn't know about the agreement. He didn't know about the, right. the, 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 the provisions in the agreement, the representations and warranties in the agreement, the purpose of the agreement. If he didn't know about any of that stuff, then there is no agreement. There is no arbitration clause. There mm -hmm. is no agreement. It's null and void. And Avenatti has the ammunition now to make that motion mm -hmm. to have this agreement deemed null and yep. void. Mm -hmm. And he should do it. He shouldn't play around. He shouldn't play cute. He, that's, this, that's the relief they sought, to have this agreement knocked out. He has it now in spades. And as far as Trump's attorney goes, you know, there, there's, there's reality and then there's insanity. So the reality is, 10 days before the wow. election, the Access Hollywood tape comes out. They want to protect Trump from any more crazy mm -hmm. news like this. So they move to shut her up. 
They yeah. all get together and they do that. That's the reality of it. The and, insanity is that the, well, the attorney, without discussing it with Trump, mortgaged his house for $130,000 to shut her up. So then, Avery, what's insignificant is the whole, you know, alleged relationship. But what's significant potentially is, just as Richard said, you know, days before uh, the election, that this leads to the possible campaign contributions, this gift, you know, quote unquote, you know, from a Michael Cohen. But how does this help substantiate that potentially? Well, not only that, you've got the Federal Elections Commission, you've got the Justice Department. What's the explanation? Mr. Cohen worked for the Trump Organization. If you're going to do something on your own, you have to get permission from your boss. There are ethics rules that one has to comply with. So he goes out and does it. What's the explanation? He's like a five-year-old with his hand in the cookie jar. He came up with an illogical explanation, and it's going to trigger an investigation. There are both civil and criminal implications of that, Frederica. So that's another aspect of it that is very, very troubling. Hmm. Uh, so Michael Avenatti, the, the attorney, you know, said that they're going to refile a petition to depose Trump. Sure. Uh, Richard, likely to happen? Yeah, under the National Arbitration Act, he's going to get that ability to do that, and uh, the judge will order it this time around. Uh, Michael Cohen, if he doesn't already have a relationship with the grievance committee, disciplinary committee in the state of New York, he's going to now because you can't do it's these things on behalf of a client without advising right. them about it. So he's got problems with that, Fred. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just preposterous. What a tangled web we weave and first we practice to deceive. That's what's going on here. It's 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 beyond juvenile the way they handle this and now it's but gonna it's erupt it's, in it's, problems. It may be for juvenile, but it's and very, very serious. Avery, yeah. Yeah. yes, that? it's very serious. I mean the the yeah, bottom is. line is is Michael is gonna have a, a legal proceeding, mm -hmm. uh, a number of them, and of course Mr. Trump will too. So we're just at the beginning of something that's going to continue to unwind. And every time Mr. Trump opens his mouth on this, we learn something new and it seems to get more and more complicated. So I, I think we're just at the beginning. I, I agree with The Wall Street Journal. People are not taking this serious. Mm -hmm. uh, seriously, this could be the beginning of the end, as the journal said. That would not be surprising here. Mm. All right. Well, then and one right other there. thing, Fred, just, just conjecture, because right. I don't know this for a fact, but Trump seemed quite... All right, thanks everybody for being on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Sean Hannity, they're going to be talking um, about Sean Hannity. I will say, this is going to be sort of an interesting show tonight. There are a number this of things that happened in important national news today uh, that, Rachel frankly, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to talk about them. Uh, but we're going to do it. This is a, it's a weird time in the news. There's no time to shy away from the weirdness. You just got to dive right in. Let's start with a subpoena. Uh, let's say you get subpoenaed by prosecutors. That subpoena directs you to hand over documents and materials. Now, you can fight that subpoena. You can argue over it in court. But ultimately, the point of a subpoena is that you are being asked, you're being directed to hand stuff over that is, is responsive to the prosecutor's demands. Now, let's say prosecutors have reason to believe that you can't be trusted to do that. They do want documents and materials from you because of some investigation that you're relevant to. They intend to get those documents and materials, but they don't trust you. They have reason not to trust you. They think if they issue you a subpoena, if they give you a demand to hand this stuff over, 
they think they have good reason to believe that you might, instead of handing them over, you might destroy those things. Or you might hide them, or you might otherwise mess up the evidence that prosecutors are after. If that's the case, if prosecutors have reason to believe that you cannot be trusted to respond to a subpoena, they can kick it up a notch. They can go to a judge and ask a judge to approve a search warrant instead. With a search warrant, prosecutors are no longer asking you for anything. They're going into your home, your office, wherever, and they are taking what the warrant says they can take. Between a subpoena and a search warrant, a subpoena is definitely less intrusive. You're, you're, you are asked to hand stuff over, right? told to hand stuff over. With a search warrant, they're not asking, they're not telling, they are going in and taking it themselves. Well, last week, prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, federal prosecutors, decided that they wanted to obtain materials from the president's personal attorney, from Michael Cohen, not by asking Cohen for those materials or telling Cohen to hand those materials over. They decided they were going to get those materials by taking them themselves. And they explained why to the court. Quote, given that the crimes being investigated involve acts of concealment by Michael Cohen, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York sought and obtained a search warrant rather than using a subpoena so that it would not have to rely on Cohen to accurately make such a production. So this is the federal prosecutor's office in New York City saying that Michael Cohen, former Trump Organization executive and sometimes personal attorney to Donald Trump, maybe, um, they're saying he's under criminal investigation. And the kinds of crimes for which he is under investigation justify getting a search warrant instead of just sending him a subpoena, basically because they don't trust him to respond to a subpoena. They say the crimes they're investigating him for involved acts of concealment. What are those acts of concealment? What are those crimes they're investigating him for? We don't know. Um, those are the parts that are redacted in the court filings. And it's always the most intriguing stuff that's redacted. Quote, on April 9th, 2018, agents from the New York field office of the FBI executed search warrants for Michael Cohen's residence, hotel room, office, safety deposit box, and electronic devices. The searches were authorized by a federal magistrate judge who had found probable cause to believe that the premises and devices searched contained evidence, fruits, and instrumentalities of conduct for which Cohen is under criminal investigation. Namely, big black box, redacted, redacted, redacted. Quote, each warrant was supported by a detailed affidavit and authorized by a federal magistrate judge who found probable cause to believe that the subject premises and devices contained evidence of... Redacted, redacted, redacted. <laughs> the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York had good cause to execute search warrants at Cohen's premises and seize certain electronic devices in lieu of less intrusive means. Why did they have that good cause to go after this stuff with a search warrant instead of less intrusive means? Redacted, redacted, redacted. Quote, accordingly, the nature of the investigation and the nature of the offenses weighed heavily in favor of the decision to execute search warrants. Furthermore, in the course of its investigation, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York has learned that, redacted, 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 as a result, absent a search warrant, these records could have been deleted without record. So they have very specific reasons, they say, uh, why they had to go after Michael Cohen with a search warrant. Why they used a search warrant, they didn't just subpoena Michael Cohen and tell him to hand this stuff over. 
They have very specific reasons why they had to go that much more aggressive route. And we have no idea what those specific reasons are because it's all redacted. But, you know, the judge in this case knows what those reasons are. These filings are not redacted for her. And, in fact, the whole different judge who issued the search warrants in the first place, that judge, that federal magistrate judge, also heard prosecutors' evidence for why Michael Cohen, in their estimation, could not be trusted to hand over documents and materials on his own. They had to instead go this more aggressive route, go in and take stuff themselves without warning and without getting his permission. We do not know what those details are. We don't know what crimes he is suspected of. We don't know what they found in their initial investigation, which led them to believe that had they not gone in and taken those records, he might have destroyed them. They've got evidence that they gave to these judges, but we can't see it. So there is this riveting spectacle and scandal here, right? We, the public, can see the fight happening. And in fact, on a day like today, we could see that it was becoming a desperate fight, including by the president. But we can't necessarily tell what is leading to the desperation. We can't tell what's in those black boxes that appears to be freaking everybody out so much. And the New York Times over the last few days has described this fight over Michael Cohen and the FBI raiding his office. The New York Times is describing this based on multiple sources as something that the president perceives to be a more imminent threat to him than the special counsel investigation led by Robert Mueller. Imagine knowing what we know about the Robert Mueller investigation and then deciding that there's a legal threat that's worse than that. This case has led to strange revelations already, including the fact that the president's lawyer, Michael Cohen, now says he facilitated a gigantic $1.6 million payoff to the mistress of a Republican donor whose name has already come up nine ways to Sunday in conjunction with the Mueller investigation and who just resigned as deputy finance chair of the National Republican Party. Incidentally, Michael Cohen himself is still a deputy finance chair of the National Republican Party, even though we now know that he's under federal criminal investigation and getting raided by the FBI. At some point, will the RNC see it as a problem that one of their deputy national finance chairmen paid a one, uh, arranged a $1.6 million hush money payment for the mistress of another one of their national finance co-chairs? And the one with the mistress resigned, but the one who arranged the payment and is now under federal criminal investigation, he's still on the RNC. At some point, the National Republican Party should probably have to at least explain that um, if not explain it away. We also learned today that Michael Cohen admits to having only three clients in his legal practice over the past year. He admits to having President Trump as a client, um, also the Republican Party finance co-chair guy with the mistress, Elliot Brady, and the third client of his one-man law firm. Um, he tried today to keep secret in court, saying his third client had directed him to appeal any effort to make his name public. Um, but then in court today, we got the name of Cohen's third client made public. And honestly, don't even ask me to tell you what it means, that it's Sean Hannity. <laughs> but it's Sean Hannity from the Fox News Channel. Ah, uh, Mr. Hannity has apparently been covering Michael Cohen's role in this story and this scandal for months, including the FBI raid on Michael Cohen last week, without ever disclosing that Michael Cohen is his lawyer. Again, don't even ask me. I have no idea. This is like every day you get up, take a shower, you get dressed, you go out to the driveway to start the car. 
every day it's the same. You do this every single day of your life, except today you got in the car, you put the key into the start the engine, put the key into the dashboard. You went to turn it to start the engine like you do every Ignition. day. And today, this time, the engine didn't start, and instead, terrifying circus music started playing, and the hood flew up, and clowns and monkeys and elephants flew out instead. Like, what? It's who? <laughs> you know, sure, go ahead, make sense of that. Why don't you? So, the news, the news has gone weird. When the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Um, but the law is still pretty orderly. And I have to tell you, we just got the transcript of what happened in this insane court hearing today. Um, there's no cameras. There's no recordings of what happens in federal court. Um, but we've got the transcript here. And in a way, it's uh, sort of... Rachel, uh, I'm going to have to cut you off. We've got it, some it breaking is, news it is here. We, got the sorry about that, Rachel. We've got to cut you off. Uh, the latest news here, folks, is that Barbara Bush dies at 92. Barbara Bush, uh, she's dead. First lady at the end of the Cold War, war and uh, political monarch has died, family spokesman says. And this comes after two or three days when she, as she was de denying uh, any more medical care. She denied it. She put it off and she said uh, she didn't want any more medical care. And I took that as her wanting to just rest. And when I mean rest, uh, I I'm shocked. I mean, you can tell by the nervousness in my voice, but I'm shocked. But uh, she said she wanted to take a rest and stuff like uh, take take a rest. And I figured that she just wanted to just die peacefully. And that's what she has done, according to the reports that I'm uh, reading on CNN, this is breaking news. Barbara Bush, the first lady, uh, uh, I mean, she's the father of George Bush. She had her husband was president, George Bush Sr., George Bush Jr., uh, her husband, her son. They were both presidents of the United States. She's gone. I had no idea. I knew she was going to pass away eventually, but I didn't think it would be this soon. You know, I mean, just think about it. If she would have... Um, uh, not denied care. If she'd have had more care, she probably would still be with us today. I think she was just tired and she wanted to rest. She was tired of all the medications. She was tired of being in the hospital. She was tired of maybe being wheeled around in a wheelchair. At 92, she decided to just go. So this was her, uh, this was her, this, this is what she wanted. This is what she wanted, and she got what she wanted, and I hope she's in a very, very nice place. I I just hope that she's, uh, and I feel for her family. The George Wilder Jr. Show uh, gives its condolences to Barbara Bush, um, both George Bush Sr. and George W. Bush Jr. are Republicans. She's a Republican. Uh, but one of the things I do know about Barbara Bush is that she could not stand Donald Trump. I mean, she just, and she did not, she couldn't figure out why women would vote for such a guy. But she's gone. And uh, yeah, it's breaking news right here on CNN. And I, the, the way I found about her death was a, a pop-up on my computer, uh, an alert on my computer. It alerts me to uh, breaking news. And this is um, breaking news. Barbara Bush uh, dies at 92, and I'm I'm shocked, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people are shocked who are who are who follow this.
and uh, uh, because just yesterday or the day before, she was saying that she didn't want any more medical care. And suddenly, I, I, she died at home, I'm pretty sure. And uh, they call her the Republican monarch and former first lady. Yeah, she was a former first lady. Her husband was president. And later on, her son became president. Barbara Bush, the monarch of the Republican politician, political dynasty, and a first lady who elevated the cause of literacy, died Tuesday. A family uh, spokesman said she was 92, the only, the only second woman in, the, in American history to have had a husband and a son elected president. Okay, Abigail Adams was the first Bush was seen as a plain spoken public figure who um, was instantly recognizable with her signature of white hair and pearl necklace and earrings. She became a major political figure as her husband, George H.W. Bush, rose to become a vice president and soon the president. After they left the White House, she was a potent spokesman uh, for two of her sons, George W. Bush and Jeb, as they campaigned, campaigned for office. The mother of six children, one of whom, a daughter, Robin, died as a child from leukemia. Barbara Bush raised her first growing family in the 1950s and 60s amid uh, the post-war boom of Texas and the world of politics that consumed her husband. She was at the side. She was at his side during his nearly 30-year political career. Uh, he was a U.S. representative for Texas, U.N. ambassador, Republican Party chairman, ambassador to China, and CIA director. Wow, you learn a lot. That, that's one of the things I can say about uh, when someone dies. When someone famous dies, you learn a lot about some people after they're dead. You may not know Jack about them when they're alive, but once they're dead, I mean, there's so much comes out. And Barbara Bush uh, is dead. Uh, and I'm so shocked at that. I mean, uh, she was a Republican. I mean, she was a, she couldn't stand Trump. She said it many times. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he heard it. Uh, she was quick-witted with a sharp tongue. Yeah, feisty Barbara Bush was a fierce defender of her husband and an astute advisor. Wow. As first lady, her principal persona as a devoted wife and mother contrasts in many ways with her, with her peer and predecessor, Nancy Reagan, and her younger successor, Hillary Clinton, both whom were seen as intimately involved in their husband's presidencies. Mm. Still, Barbara Bush promoted women's rights and her strong personal views sometimes surfaced publicly and raised eyebrows, especially when they uh, clash with Republican Party politics. For instance, she once said she and her husband ran for president that abortion should be should not be politicized. She, I mean, she had a fiery tongue. There's so much here about her, and uh, it's just a shock that she decided that she wanted to do this. I'm thinking that. Uh, she felt her time was coming and that she didn't really want to have any more whatsoever uh, treatments 
she just said to hell with it. I mean, she was, in, from my understanding, she was in and out of the hospital for the last uh, few years, uh, maybe a decade or she just got sick of it. She, I guess she was just fed up with them tr- keeping her alive and she wanted to be at home. She was more, uh, the last part of her life, I believe she was more um, in the hospital than she was at home. And she didn't like that. She wanted to be home instead of in a hospital all the time. And and they were probably telling her that it was vital that if she wanted to, you know, keep on living and stay alive, it, it, she must seek treatment, which she had vehemently um, denied that she wanted. She didn't want any more treatment. She said, to hell with it. She said, let me take my rest. And she's resting. All right, Barbara Bush, the first lady, at the end of the Cold War and political monarch, she's dead at the age of 92. And I'm getting this from CNN, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, on a um, on on every news outlet, every web page. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't give a damn about Barbara Bush, but you gotta you gotta have a heart for something. This is America. This is America, and we're in America, and we are Americans. And this lady has been around a long time. She wasn't. I mean, she was of a different party. She was of, of a different time, but that doesn't mean that we have to hate her. Uh, and, I, and I don't hate anyone, okay? And um, I mean, there's a lot of people out here wishing that uh, Donald Trump would drop dead or have a stroke. You know, <laughs> there are. I mean, there are a lot of people uh, <laughs> wish that he would just drop the hell dead, you know. And even I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, but, but when you think about it, you think about Donald Trump policies, Donald Trump doesn't care if you or I drop dead. So why not, you know, uh, wish the same for him, right? Um, I, I hate just does not have uh, any place on the, on the George Wilder Jr. show. Hate does not have. Uh, we can agree to disagree. We may not uh, agree with everything that someone says, but we do not have to hate that person. But I can understand the animosity for Donald Trump. Believe me. Uh, There's many times I've said on this show that I hate that man's guts. I can't stand him. I've heard other talk show hosts say it. I've heard TV personalities say that they just cannot stand Donald Trump. They hate his guts. And if you go on Facebook unapologetic with their hate, and vile for Donald Trump, and a lot of them wish he would just drop the hell dead. (laughs) But, you know, um, we have to get hate out of our hearts, and we have to stop um, spreading hate. I mean, Donald Trump is bad, and sometimes I'm One and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, batten down the hatches. Because there is more news. Television series about ideas and their content. And this is seven ways to get more reviews to your books. Now, as you know, the more reviews that you have on your book,
All right, this is George Wilder Jr. the George Wilder Jr. show. We're having some problems on the show. I'm calling in as a guest, and I I am not a guest. Hold on, hold on. This is George Wilder Jr., and I'm calling in as a guest to the show, and I'm going to end the show. All right, what we're going to do, we got to go here. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.